Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we're here tonight without M. M has M is representing us at Think Geeks Trivia Night. So it sounds like fun. It does. We should be there. Let's travel to Maryland. Road what? trip right now, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we wanted to share tonight just a little bit uh, about a memory of a star that passed on Monday. So this is we're recording this two days later. Was it yesterday or it was announced yesterday? I don't remember if it was Monday. It or was Tuesday. the seventh. So that was that was that, yesterday. That yeah. Was, so yeah. so yesterday, Richard Hatch died. Mm-hmm. Now there has been a ton of celebrities that have died in the past year. Our celebrities age like everyone, and and uh, but Richard Hatch was one of the first celebrity guests that we interviewed in the diner. And I was looking it up today. I believe it was episode thirty nine. Mm. We split the interview up. It was two different parts, and um, and so Richard Hatch was one of them, and we did a phone interview with him. Do you remember? I do. I remember trying to get that interview. Um, you did it through Facebook, if I recall correctly. I, I, I decided to just uh, just be bold and just message him on Facebook and just tell him, hey, we, we do a podcast. We'd love to interview you sometime. And, and he was gracious enough to uh, do it. Yeah, my understanding, he gave like a, what, a 45-minute to an hour interview? Yeah, he it was, was pretty long. generous with his time also. Yeah, absolutely. And my, I've never met, I never met the person in, in real life. Did you ever meet Richard Hatch? I've met him twice uh, at a 98 convention in Harrisburg and at Farpoint back in uh, 08. Ooh. And um, nice guy, um, very, very, you know, very down to earth, very humble. Um, he, he treated the fans like gold. I mean, if um, it, it I, I, I could spend several minutes just talking about what, what what a nice guy he was and just how great he was to the fans and how he embraced the fans. And um, so, yeah, if you had an exp- I'm sure anybody who had, probably had a very similar experience uh, meeting him. Yeah. And I was seeing stories about other people that have met him on Facebook uh, just in the past couple of days. And the sentiments are kind of echoed in that. He was very generous. Mm-hmm. And uh, either the fact that he came on a you know relatively unknown podcast back in 2008, 2009, um, 2009, I believe, uh, that says something. Yeah, he, 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 he didn't have to. I mean, no. uh, we, were, we were just getting started out. We, our listener base was not what it was then, then but he was, he, was, he was generous. Yeah, so October 2009, I believe we interviewed him it was after our very first shore leave and we had done some celebrity interviews prior to this but um he was just real comfortable to talk to i never had a chance to meet him Mm -hmm. so but i did obviously love watching him as tom zorick in the uh new battlestar galactica and did you watch the original series the original battlestar galactica i was a diehard classic bsg fan i mean for a show that only ran one season uh, it captured. I mean, this this came after Star Wars, and so it was hugely popular, um, especially with eight year old boys. That's what it was <laughs> at the time. Uh, there was Battlestar Galactica toys that were out. Um, did you have a, a Apollo toy? I I think I did. I know I had a Colonial Viper and, and a Cylon. It was so um, that was part of my fandom at the time, and and the show only lasted well. It, they let one season. I mean, they did another. They called Galactica 1980, but they basically did it with all new actors. Uh, with and that more, was a movie. No, that was that was a series that ran for one season. Um, I think you could probably catch it on Netflix. Um, 
but um, the only original cast member it had was uh, Lauren Green with maybe a few guest stars. But um, I remember classic BSG with you know Captain Apollo. He he was you know what a hero was, and uh, I I thought he was the coolest dude in the world back then. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and he had other small roles throughout the years, but this seemed to be his love. I mean, he loved Battlestar Galactica, and it resonated with him with the people that he contacted with so much so that. Before we had Rondi Moore's uh, Battlestar Galactica, we had a, a pitch to kind of do a reimagined series of his own. Yeah. And it kind of got passed over. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a very impressive trailer online. It's uh, Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica's second coming. Uh, he got a few people that were in, in, in the series with him. Um, they, hired, they had some other actors. It was, it was a fan-made, but for the CGI for the time, not bad. And... Um, I wouldn't have minded to see in this that this uh, this would have came to fruition, but uh, the Sci-Fi Channel chose uh, the one they did, and it was it was great. Yeah, we uh, we enjoyed that, enjoyed it tr- <laughs> immensely. And he had a role in that as well, so mm-hmm. so it was good to see him do that. Too. So he wasn't too bitter at the fact he was passed over, although I'm sure that it was not. I'm sure he was well. Just sure. it's interesting. He wasn't bitter that he wasn't in it so much as he he thought the tone. He just didn't like. The tone it took. It, it was a, it was a little darker tone than it was the the, the classic one made in the seventies. But I guess he and Rondi Moore, you know, had a conversation, and uh, I guess he he embraced it more, and uh, they they gave him a, a reoccurring character throughout. He was on he was on throughout the, the series. Yeah, he was also well known in circles for being a great acting coach. Right, and I, I saw many people even online saying, "Oh yeah, he was my acting coach," and people just resonated with that. So, mm-hmm. so he he will be missed in yeah. the sci-fi community. He did these cruises where I guess you know he did some motivational speaking also. So he had a very prolific life. I mean, it was uh, um, he he was a very you know a giving life. He, he where I think he he wanted to try to empower people, and so um, it's it's it, you know. I resonate with a lot of people, you know, on Facebook. Just sad to see him go. I was hoping maybe he might make one more convention in our area. We could see him more. That time. would be great. But mm-hmm. you know, you know, we can't control the timing of that. You know, he also wrote seven tie-in novels to the original Battlestar Galactica. So he wrote as well, or was a part of the writing process. Yeah. So if you need a BSG fix throughout the '90s, uh, he and a, and a co-writer wrote, wrote some novels, uh, and they were I've read a few of them. They were pretty good, um, but. He also dabbled a little in the Star Trek fan films. Uh, he w- he had a part in the Prelude to Axanar. Okay. Um, I don't know if it ever will be released, but they had a trailer uh, for for one at uh, the Star Trek uh, New Voyages folks. Um, I, hopefully, hopefully they'll put that out. Um, they, they had a few episodes in the can that they hadn't aired yet, and I wonder if they will now. Oh, maybe, maybe they will. Mm-hmm. Just kind of in memory of that. So he... He uh, he died on, on on Tuesday, February seventh, from pancreatic cancer. So at a battle that he obviously had dealt with for a while, mm. and uh, but you know those sort of things become private things. So which is but, understandable. But, but we remember him. We remember him for the work he did in the sci-fi world. And as a part of that, we wanted to share with you tonight the interview that we did with him eight years ago. Wow. Um, in its entirety, not split into the two episodes we did back then. And so you'll hear our conversation with them, and uh, and we hope you enjoy it, and hope it'll help you bring back some memories about Richard Hatch, and think about him, and to remember his family as they're dealing with, you know, the loss 
of a of a father, a brother. Mm-hmm. He's survived by his brother John and his son Paul. So. Yeah, he, he he's one of the. I mean, it's always sad to lose somebody, but when, when it comes to people worth remembering and, and remembering what the contributions they did, I mean, Richard Hatch is definitely up there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so we hope you enjoy the interview. Mr. Vice President, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just, just, just Richard's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then I guess we'll, we'll get started here. Um, sci-fi fans, we are talking with Richard Hatch, well known for his work on uh, Battlestar Galactica in the role of Tom Zarek, and classic Battlestar Galactica in the role of Captain Apollo, which he was nominated for a, a Golden Globe Award. Uh, Richard, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner. Well, thank you very much. What's what's cooking? What, well, what's yeah. up? Right. Do you have a menu? Can I uh, can I order a, a cappuccino or a chai latte? Uh, you could, you could. What would you order in Battlestar? It's a bigger question. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you know something? They never really explored that other than mushies. They never got into the food, did they? No, no, um, a, lot, a lot of drinking, though. Lodging. Yeah, a lot of drinking. Well, what are you going to do when you're in space and there's not enough women? You know? yeah, right. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? You know, and, and your your dying society. I mean, what else do you have to live for? Or pass well, the time. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, there's nothing like sharing a good ale or two with your buds, and uh, you know that's what Battlestar was all about. It was all about family, all about camaraderie, all about you know pulling together to survive. So I think. That's kind of what people really loved about the show, and I'll tell you, I love shows where it's about, you know, whether it's a group of people or a couple of people bonding together, man, to get through, you know, trials and tribulations. There's something about that uh, process that really uh, ignites my imagination. So Battlestar really captured that a lot in different ways with the original show and then the new show as well, but uh, obviously in a different way. What I want to ask you uh, now that now that Battlestar Galactica is no longer being filmed, which I'm sad to say because my wife and I were huge fans of the show. Uh, your schedule doesn't seem to have slowed down much. Uh, tell us some of the things you've been doing this year. Um, well, I uh, put all my stuff in storage, sold half of everything I have, took off for about four or five months, and basically just traveled all over the world. I mean, I just basically. Went to, you know, Belgium, Germany, France. Um, I was in New Jersey, New York. Um, I filmed a movie in Ohio and uh, did a project in Arizona uh, a, for a good friend of mine called The Undertakers, which is a really cool, cool movie that he's putting together. And, and then I just kind of came back. I went to Hawaii as well, and then I headed back to uh, L.A. around January and kind of bounced around uh, staying with various friends because I just really wasn't sure where I wanted to be yet. But I, because I do so much internet stuff and all my business partners, the people I work on projects with, I can do it anywhere I am. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on uh, several projects, one to direct um, a movie called Don't Let the Sun Catch You Crying, which I'm writing right now. 
And then uh, we're putting together a reality show called Who the Frack? <laughs> um, wow. Well, which will deal with, you can go over to whothefrack.com and you can see a little bit of uh, what that's all about, although it's going to be, uh, we're, we're putting together a much more, I would say, uh, intensive and detailed trailer um, over the next uh, three or four weeks about that show. But we're doing, and then I'm, you know, I'm, there's a lot of other things I'm doing. I'm, I'm working on a sci-fi network, online sci-fi network. I work with Soul Geek, which is a geek dating site for uh, finding the love of your life. Oh. And uh, with my good friend Dino, so you can go to soulgeek.com. We, they have gatherings the second weekend of every month, and I, uh, I basically go join them and uh, help MC and help uh, orchestrate the evening. And uh, we, there's lots of stuff I'm doing. I'm writing my Great War Magellan novel, um, and uh, I'm preparing a bunch of other stuff as well. I mean, it's it's a very busy period for me. What can I say? Yeah, well, it sort of sounds like you haven't been slowing down since Battlestar, that's for sure. Well, I, you know, I never slowed down before Battlestar. <laughs> I mean, I've always been a productive person. Listen, you know, you live your life um, doing what you love doing. I mean, at least that's the goal. And uh, I'm an artist. I'm a, you know, I'm an athlete. I'm an artist. I'm a teacher. I'm a speaker. I'm a writer. Uh, when I'm not uh, putting projects together or acting in something, I'm teaching and speaking at colleges and universities and business organizations. I do a lot of uh, a lot of teaching. So I'm going to go to Utah in a couple weeks to teach another acting symposium for a two day two day workshop there. And just did one last month. Going to do some up in Denver. And uh, like I said, I I do lots of different kinds of things. I even do relationship workshops with my good friend uh, JP up in uh, Denver as well. She uh, She's a psychologist and Ph.D., and we co-teach a number of uh, workshops together. And you make appearances at the, at, at the sci-fi and comic book conventions. About, about how many of those do you do a year? Oh, boy. Well, the last number of years I've probably done a lot. I mean, I because I'm, first of all, at conventions, I'm a sci-fi fan to begin with, so I like hanging out with other sci-fi fans, because I'm a big fan as well. Number two, I'm a, a teacher and speaker, so I do workshops at these conventions, usually an acting workshop or a film-making workshop or even a role-playing game workshop, improv, all kinds of things like that. And then I, uh, you know, I have theatrical trailers that I film, directed, put together, and I bring them and play them. So I do a number of things, plus I uh, get to meet up with all my, my buddies all over the world, and we have the best time imaginable. I mean, anything and everything that we can do to have fun is what we do. Now, what was the, you mentioned that you, you're a sci-fi fan. What is it that drew you into sci-fi, either as a child, a kid growing up, or, or then as an adult? Well, I think you look at the world, and um, if you look long enough, you begin to realize that uh, there's a lot more to life than what we see in front of our face. And uh, when you look up in the sky, you can't help but wonder and imagine what's out there. And then you, you kind of get carried away on, on that road, and you begin to ask deeper questions about life, like, uh, who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Uh, are we the only people in the universe? I mean, I, I'm into quantum physics. I'm into the space program. Um, you know, I'm political. I'm involved in a number of different things because... I am curious. I am, I am engaged in what's going on in the world, and I'm always thinking outside the box, looking for more powerful, innovative ways to do anything. 
Um, I've always been an idea person. So, you know, whether it's writing a story, uh, working with somebody on a new technology, you know, uh, creating projects that I think will not only entertain but illuminate and stretch people's imaginations and make people think and help them step outside the box and realize what's possible. I've always been involved in all those kinds of things. And because my imagination is so active, I mean, sci-fi fantasy takes you into some very powerful um, thematic areas, uh, dramatic areas where you can explore archetypal story structures that uh, I think touch everybody on a very deep and profound level. These are, these are the archetypal type of story structures and, and, and basically personality traits, character traits that unite all of us. I mean, we have so much more in common than we don't. Trouble is, we usually concentrate on, on what separates us as opposed to what brings us together. So I always love movies that, you know, find ways to challenge those walls and blocks that keep people separate and isolated and find ways to bring them together. And usually some form of tragedy or dramatic something, Holocaust or, you know, cataclysmic event, usually forces people out of their boxes and forces them to reach out and, and you know, meet their neighbors. So, I, again, sci-fi always deals with very powerful story structures and ask very deep, profound questions, and also it unleashes the imagination to uh, to go in, you know, unlimited areas. Uh, it, you can just do anything and everything in sci-fi fantasy. And, again, the greatest stories are written by some of the most intelligent, visionary people on the planet, mm-hmm. people that, in, in a sense, you could almost say are prophetic in their ability to look into the future and see where we may be going. So, uh, you know, those are the kinds, the kinds of things that I love, and intelligent, visionary sci-fi is my favorite. I mean, uh, I, I love all kinds of movies. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that loves Braveheart as much as I like a romantic comedy with Renee Zelliger or something, you know. I, uh, I love musicals. I did musicals on Broadway, uh, off-Broadway. Um, I write songs. I, I played for many, many years, you know. So I even studied ballet for three years. Uh, I wanted to be Baryshnikov, you know, oh, wow. and uh, you know I wanted to to or or Nureyev. I wanted to do, you know, I just I, I I wanted to go to the Olympics. I was a pole vaulter and a high jumper. I flew on the trapeze, walked high wire, uh, worked in circus type stuff. So you know, and I'm a very competitive person. But I would have to say that uh, of all these things, the number one probably greatest ability I have is that I am the world's number one greatest thumb wrestler of all time <laughs> oh there there you go <laughs> and nobody has ever beaten me oh, sounds like we have a challenge and i lay a challenge i lay a challenge to anyone <laughs> anywhere of course every time i go places i say who wants to challenge me and uh, i did that in germany you know i've done that everywhere i had a guy that was six foot six i thought he was going to kick my ass <laughs> was the one time i was a little scared his thumb was twice as big as mine his thumbnail was as big as my thumb, and I beat him in 16 seconds, but he, man, he lacerated my thumb with that nail. Oh, gosh. I had did. blood squirting out everywhere, you know. My, my friend Michael couldn't believe it. It was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, anyway uh, so that, that's, that's the, uh, the name of that tune. <laughs> okay. So I guess we could ask you, uh, what haven't you tried not to do. I mean, to try to do it. So, I mean, you've 
you know, you sound like what's left. What's, 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 I mean, I'm I'm sure there's a lot, lot that's left, but I mean, um, well, I, I really am into, I want to make movies and, uh, I mean, first of all, I probably above all of it, I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. I love igniting people, uh, opening their eyes to their, their possibilities. I, I do boot camps to unlock people's potential to help them realize what, what they're capable of doing to help leverage their abilities in the marketplace in a more powerful way. I, I am a teacher first and foremost, but I, I do it not only through lecturing and speaking and workshops. I do it through movies, through the roles I play, through the things I books I write. You know, everything has got to be entertaining and has got to stimulate the imagination, but, you know, good, good movies, good stories are about something. They, they have, uh, you know, insight uh, into the human condition. And uh, so I, I love a great movie that shakes me up, makes me laugh, makes me cry, but leaves me with hope at the end of the, at the, end of the day. So I'm, uh, I want to direct and develop more projects that, uh, for me, are those kinds of movies. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have enough of them. Yeah, Most, a lot of movies leave you like wanting to cut your throat at the end of the movie. You, know? <laughs> it, it, you feel like life is hopeless. You just, right. The human condition, sometimes we get so buried in in you know the uh the the um, the trauma uh and the difficulties and challenges of life that we don't show any light at the end of the tunnel and i just think we need a lot more hope today but not i'm not talking about goody two-shoes movies you know i'm talking about really really good movies about real people and that's that's basically what my who the frack is all about it's about it's a it's a darker edgier more provocative uh, look at the entertainment industry. It's a, it's a more, I think, deeper, richer um, entourage because it's about me and my buddies uh, really surviving and, and, and succeeding in this business and uh, dealing with the underbelly of Hollywood, the Hollywood most people have never seen, uh, what it takes to make it and, and uh, succeed. And also uh, one of the biggest challenges of our time is relationships, finding a relationship which it seems to be a challenge for me and my buddies, including my son who's in the show. Hmm. We all seem to uh very articulate guys, you know, very you know, very really fun guys and and uh no trouble finding women, but actually creating a successful relationship has been a major challenge. Hmm. So uh, I think you're gonna see a lot of guys kinda sharing their story about all that, which is something you don't normally see on T V. You see women talking about things like that, but you never see men really talking about what's going on in their life and what's what's challenging them and the problem with relationships and the challenges with women these days. I mean, most of the women I date are European because it's hard to find a girl that isn't doesn't have um, either is competitive with men or is, you know, bashing men or or has unreal expectations, you know, uh, of men and and it seems to be a strange time and in America right now, uh, finding uh, finding that girl next door, finding a a woman that you can really build a relationship with, has not been the easiest journey. So, anyway, it's going to go into all those areas. Good, look forward to it. Uh, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but maybe maybe there, you can expand on it more. Um, why do you think, after all these years, classic Battlestar Galactica still resonates with people? Well, very, very much because of the archetypal story structure. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about the family of man surviving against the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. I mean, we always see, you know, movies, movies dealing with cataclysmic events, you know. 
whether it's Armageddon or any one of those kinds of movies, you know, the, the day after, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Independence Day. Uh, th- these movies resonate because, in a way, they challenge all of us to deal with our, our, our imperfections, our, f- our frailties, our flaws, but to find the, the true uh, hero within, that, that person who rises to the occasion and does the extraordinary. It's, it's ordinary, so-called ordinary people doing extraordinary things, and that's what happens when you have those kinds of events. And I think also it kind of also touched upon the question of, is there life out there? And having a show that actually talks about the fact that maybe there's family of man somewhere out there surviving, you know, uh, that we're related to. And that kind of titillate, titillates, I think, everybody's imagination. Because no matter, no matter who you are, you can't help but think, is there, is there humanity? Is there somebody human-looking out there in the universe beyond me? Mm-hmm. That's a question that we all entertain, and Battlestar kind of explored that on a hypothetical level. And then, of course, you know, we put it into a catastrophic event of uh, civilization coming crashing down because of the Cylons and then having to survive against all of that. Well, we've, we've all been thinking, I mean, since the beginning of time, the prophecies in the Bible, uh, the Mayan calendar. God, how many things have you read about the Earth ending, you know, civilization coming to an end? Um, you know, we're all kind of um, a little bit tapped into that. There's always the fear of, you know, how much longer are we going to go on? Are we going to survive? Is humanity going to make it? And uh, Battlestar dealt with all of that. It dealt with that, those kinds of scenarios. So it combined the, the humanity being somewhere else, you know, being connected to us, and it combined that with dealing with a catastrophic event and finding a way to survive that and rebuild a new homeland. So it kind of connected on many, many different uh, uh, points, I think, with, with many, many people. Battlestar was not just attractive to sci-fi people. It was attractive to people of all ages, all demographics, all backgrounds, all cultures. Uh, just like Star Wars, people who never liked sci-fi before found themselves loving Battlestar. And that went for both the new show as well as the old show. So, again, it's archetypal story structures, story structures that deal with um, areas in our psyche that we all can relate to. Well, and that's one of the things that um, that I liked uh, about Battlestar is that they they brought in these issues, and I think especially in the in the newest incarnation of the Rondi Moore incarnation of Battlestar, they brought up these issues. They made you think about them, but they didn't always give you the answer for them. And I thought that was good. Well, great writing is never great. Teachers never give you the answers. They challenge you to think and come up with your own answers. Uh, great writing never gives you all the answers either. They give you insights, epiphanies, but they challenge you to to really come up with your own conclusions. And I think that's that's probably the most exciting way to to write and to perform. Um, you know, it's the once you have the answer, then you stop you stop exploring, you stop stretching your mind, your imagination. And I think that uh, the whole uh, thrust of sci-fi, especially fantasy, is to stretch your imagination and to make you wonder about, you know, and come up with even deeper and more provocative questions. You know, you want to you wanna open people's minds so they walk around for three hours after the movie and they're sitting there just really dancing with their, with their mind and trying to, to really come to terms with all the stimulation that has opened up a lot of uh, doors and, 
and viewing points into what's possible. Sci-fi stretches your imagination, opens your mind, opens your heart, opens you on multiple levels, and uh, that's what we love about it. So, uh, you know, you come to too many conclusions and and uh, endings and, and answers, and you kind of lock up the box. Mm. Uh, the other direction is to open the box and make you go even further than the movie took you. You want to open that door so that you just go out there and begin to ask and explore and to go on the adventure, the adventure of life. Uh, I think sci-fi fantasy, it's unfortunate that so many people really have no clue what sci-fi fantasy is. They just they either can't relate or they're terrified of even delving into it because they they live in a very protective kind of uh, uh, way. They, they, they're afraid to look beyond their 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 hand because they don't want to ask too many questions. They don't want to know what's out there. They just want to deal with here and now, and that's so that's fine too, you know. But uh, we are evolving as a humanity. We're going through a quantum shift, economically, business-wise, emotionally, psychologically, philosophically, on multiple levels. This is a time of extreme change, and so uh, I love. Uh, either reading, watching, you know, or writing and performing in projects that basically are helping people to uh, to make this transition through this uh, this doorway I, I feel that humanity is going through. Hmm. So it's a, it's a pretty powerful time that we live in right now. Hmm. Um, on the original Battlestar Galactica, what did you like uh, most about playing Captain Apollo? Well, for me, again, I think one of the components of Battlestar, both old and new, is the family, the sense of camaraderie. You know, we bond under fire. Mm -hmm. And when you're in battle, you bond. You bond in a way that nobody can understand unless you've been through that experience. And because of Battlestar, everybody on one level or another is going through that kind of bonding process with someone, whether it's a friend or a, a co-worker or family. You know, and and that also brings up all your issues. You it challenges all your your stuff. And I think the original Battlestar, the the family unit, the dealing with my father, Lauren Green, having that relationship, having the relationship with my son, and then having the the partnership with my good buddies. You know, Boomer and uh, Starbuck and uh, all the other characters that were in there. It's it's kind of the camaraderie, the bonding, the sharing, the uh, pulling together to survive and and to overcome uh, that whole experience for me is something I really resonate with. Any movie that has that kind of thing attached to it, you know, Braveheart had it, uh, you know, the Arthur had it. Uh, there's a number of movies that kind of have that feeling, energy, that uh, uh, me and a number of my friends really seem to, to get into. Listen, what, what do you think we do when we go to sci-fi conventions? A bunch of my buddies, we all bond together. And uh, have some good ales, and smoke a few cigars, laugh, and uh, talk about uh, the world, the universe. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Now, was there a huge shift for you, uh, having played uh, Apollo, uh, into your when when you came into your character of Tom Zarek in the, the new incarnation of Battlestar? How did that shift for you? I mean, is that same camaraderie there in the new Battlestar? Not really, because it's, it's 30 years later, so. I only played Apollo for about a year, year and a half, uh, 30 years ago, and I've played thousands of other characters since then. So for me, coming in creating a character was really coming in creating a character like I do with every movie and every play and every project I've ever gotten. I come and I 
take the material and I engage my imagination with it. And just like I teach in my acting, acting is an art. It's not some silly little superficial make-believe, pretend thing, which some people like to make it out to be. Uh, it's a profound art, and it, it's a spiritual journey. And I, I let that material and subtext and backstory of the material of the story, the mythology of it, speak to me. And it's an intuitive thing, and you tap in, and you let it take you where it wants to take you. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't try to force it or push it. I let it, let it come from a deeper place inside of me, and uh, it just takes me on this journey. So, uh, you know, I love the surprises. I never know exactly where I'm going, and and ultimately, it just becomes this amazing experience that every actor and artist lives for. Um, but I don't compare it. I don't sit there comparing myself to the other Apollo. I mean, I, I wish I had some of the material this the, Jamie Bamber had, you know, 30 years ago, because they just didn't write deep enough, complex enough characters and rich enough. You know, they, they, they had good characters and some good movies, but they just didn't go deep enough, and they were really uh, played it safe because of the networks and studio agenda and the fear of alienating the uh, the audience. So they they really always underestimated their audience. I just, uh, for me, um, I love complex, rich characters that have a lot of uh, conflict subtext because that's what each and every one of us deals with every day. We all deal with our dark side, our, our issues, our flaws and imperfections, and sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, but that's the, that's the drama of life. And I thought the new Battlestar went further into that, those areas, so it allowed me to, to really explore who I am as a human being, because uh, we all bring ourselves to each character we play. It's not just uh, you know, some little uh, superficial um, uh, creation. We, we actually have an emotional attachment to the characters we play. We feel what that character feels, and we experience through those eyes of that character uh, life. We see a different slice of our perspective on life. And uh, I, I really gained a whole perspective on, on life from, from Tom Zarek, realizing that, uh, you know, good people are capable of doing bad things uh, under the right conditions. Everybody is capable of falling off the cliff. Everybody, like the proverbial uh, um, uh, story, uh, what is it, the prodigal son story, you know, we, we all are, are on a journey out there, and uh, sometimes we... We don't realize how easy it is to get lost uh, and to lose um, a sense of our our uh, moral compass. You know, uh, in trying to sometimes do good things, we end up doing bad things, and and we sometimes uh, in this story especially we saw how easy it was to violate the Constitution, to violate democracy, to basically violate human rights, all in the quest to do the right thing and to help survive, and yet it really brings up a lot of powerful questions about, you know, what is democracy? And uh, does one person have the right to, to say, I know the way, and not listen to everybody else, or have the uh, responsibility of building consensus? I mean, all these things got explored in the new show, you know, and uh, the original show was not as political, obviously. It dealt more, I think, with family, and then dealt more with the... Uh, you know, the, the camaraderie and the sense of, uh, uh, you know, relationships between the pilots and the relationship between, uh, you know, well, especially with me and my father 
and dealing with that relationship, which was for me, uh, my God, to have that kind of relationship. I, I didn't have it as a child, so getting Lauren Green to play my father was like like a, a dream come true for, for every young man, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, were you were you satisfied with Tom Zarek's fate? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. Um, well, I mean, for me, I would have liked to have seen um, the, a deeper insight into Tom Zarek's uh, backstory and uh, a more context for why he was doing what he was doing. We never got too much insight into that, so people always surmise that he was just doing things for self-serving reasons. But if you really look at the show and step out of the box a little bit, it's pretty obvious that the guy was not making millions of dollars. He didn't live. He had two suits to his name. You know, he was fighting to make the government accountable, and he was fighting against a government that had the support of the people and yet broke all the rules and uh, basically subjugated his, his rightful place as vice president and also president, they continued to step him down because they they thought they they didn't believe he should be president. And who I mean, it, it wasn't the people making that decision. It was Rosalind and, and Adama. So basically, you know, I uh, I I think I would have liked to have seen a little more of that discussion uh, explored because uh, I think uh, for me. Tom Zarek had to play the chess game. He had to be sly, and he had no recourse because uh, Adama cut him off at every turn, right. and Rosalind cut him off at every turn. They they basically forced him, for me in my mind's eye, to do the things that he had to do in order to have some kind of impact on the decisions. But every time he spoke up, everything that he was doing, you know, was either to survive or to make a difference and make that those governments wake up and realize that the decisions they needed to make were the tough, love, hard, cold decisions that very few leaders want to make because most people are not going to agree and they're not going to be popular decisions. Mm. Tom Zarek had paid the highest price, had spent 25 years in prison for his ideals, had saw all, most of his friends and family die. This was a man that was not afraid of seeing what needed to be done and making that decision, but nobody wanted to listen. And I hate to say it, but uh, Ron Moore told the writers to put the truth. This is a real funny statement. This was told to me by a fellow of the writers on Battlestar. It was told to put the truth in Tom Zarek's mouth. What that meant was that when Tom Zarek spoke, he was speaking the truth whether you wanted to hear it or not. Right. Right. Well, awesome. Uh, on, a, on a lighter side... Um <laughs> wait, 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 I mean, I mean, I'm in, don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm hearing so far. But um, bring it back to classic Battlestar Galactica. Um, any funny stories you could tell while making the show? Was there anybody known to be a practical joker on the set? That sort of thing. Well, no, no, no stories that haven't been told about four thousand times. Right. Right. Uh, to tell you the truth, I mean. The, the 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 really I mean the story that Ann Lockhart tells about you know um, you know uh, not Baltar but um, uh, Count Ibley you know and and she she has that story about a couple of lines uh, it was a funny line I can't remember what the bit was but that you know every show has funny bits and funny moments that happen um, we we every single day 
when you're doing a show as dark as the new Battlestar, you're you're looking to for as much humor as possible. I mean, when when I they broke out of the prison, and the guy was in the prison shaking the bars, the whole prison came down. Oh wow! Uh, it's funny they actually have that in the comedy reel. You know, he's shaking the bars, and all of a sudden the bars open, and it was like we're free, we're free, and everybody's <laughs> running out of the prison. You know, the uh, it, it's. Um, what anything and everything can go wrong on a set, but usually it turns into uh, to funny moments and uh, and everybody has a good time. It just helps everybody to relax and uh, and to let go a little bit, and it makes for better acting. Yeah, you, know, you don't you don't act well on, on a tense, rigid set. And Battlestar certainly had a lot of humor, a lot of fun fun people on it, and the cast and crew were very very fun, fun loving. I mean, you, if you see the comedy reels which I play at my conventions, they're really good. They're really yeah. funny. Look forward to seeing them, and you guys are probably putting in some, you know, you know, heavy hours in. So those things. Well, that- we work not really. I mean, to tell you the truth, because there's so many actors on the show, you come in and you wait, and a lot of times you're waiting for several hours to film a couple more scenes, and then you go home. And but there's, you know, you're you're not there all day long and all night except once a rare while. Right. Most people are coming in and out because, uh, you know, they're, uh, they're they're there's a lot of different actors doing scenes. Now. Uh- we talked about the ending of Tom Zarek. What about the end of the show? How did you feel about the way they wrapped up uh, Battlestar Galactica? Uh, I hate to even judge that because I think <laughs> everybody has strong feelings about that, and certainly I do. You know, listen, uh, Tom, I, I think Ron Moore has the right to write his own ending and, and do what he felt was right. I mean, I, I certainly, there's certain things I like, certain things that didn't make sense to me. You know, I, I mean, personally, I don't think I would have uh, sent the Cylons off the Cylon drones, the warriors, with all the technology and all the guns and weapons and ship to send them off to roam the universe, okay? I, I don't know if I would have done that, especially when you're throwing away all your technology. Right, right. You know, right. it's like saying, okay, we're going to throw everything away and we're, we're going to take these Cylons who have been programmed to kill, right. humans especially, um, who've been warring against us for a thousand years. We're going to just send them off with all their weapons, all their technology, and these are not the human Cylons, these are the drones. <laughs> right. These, these, these are the warriors. These, these are the, 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 you know, soldiers. I don't think I would have done that. And, pl- and the, only, the other thing that, that probably bothered me the most was they had everybody going off in different directions. Now, you're on a planet 10,000 years ago with creatures that will eat you. They've thrown away all their technology, and the whole family of man is separating, each to go find their homestead. Seems a little naive. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed to me that when you come down on a planet like that, that, first of all, you haven't explored yet. You don't even know what's there. You, you, you've had technology for years. You, you don't know how to survive without it. And you've got wild animals and creatures and indigenous tribes. Why would everybody be separating? I, I, I wanted to see everybody pull together and create a community. Right. Well, it's the whole survival I mean, I story, wanted to see right? Every, yeah, I wanted to see everybody together at the end, not <laughs> going their separate ways like... Huh, maybe I'll uh, I'll head off to uh to um you know, find my homestead on a hill in in uh in Ireland. You know. <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, uh it, it that didn't quite make sense to me, but uh I, I, I the thing that some bothered some people, I liked the thing with um uh Paulo and Starbuck. I thought that was a really interesting theme with her being an angel and not even knowing she was an angel. I thought that was a really great theme. I, I liked very much what they did with that. Um, you know, 
And again, I just would have, I would have preferred to see everybody uh, pull together at the end. That was my biggest thing. And then I just, for some reason, I understood him wanting to make this big gesture of throwing all this technology away to somehow justify that if all the technology they had was there, then where would the world be a thousand, ten thousand years later? It wouldn't be where we are. We would be much further ahead if they kept the technology, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I think they were trying to justify that, but I don't know if anybody would have thrown away all their technology. I don't know. If, uh, again, I think it was, it was, it was challenging to kind of somehow try to make it all work, you know? But I think if you let go of the logic and you look at it metaphorically, he was trying to give you an emotion, a feeling, and he accomplished that. I think he was trying to create emotion and feeling, and, and again, if you suspend logic, then you can enjoy it for what it is, and I was able to do that. But if I'm looking at it critically, you know, I could say these are the things that kind of um, didn't make sense to me, but again, I'm the first person to say there's many ways to do everything, yeah. many good ways, and one person loves it one way, another person hates it that way. Art is subjective, and so... It's not about being right. It's about, uh, you know, Ron Moore earned the right to have his ending and to do it the way he wanted to do it, and I honor that. Uh, now, any chance we're going to see you in the plan? Uh, no, I'm not in that. You aren't in the plan. I wish I was, but it's more about the Cylon, the Cylon world. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for taking time out. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, no, really. I'm sorry that I have to go. I, I mean, I love getting into a discourse and... Uh, I love doing these kinds of things. So we'll do it again. Yeah, maybe later on. Maybe we talk about the plan all after right. it comes out. So, all right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks for a good day. You too. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you.